Me and Matt actually, uh, on work hours, because that's what ministry is, uh, tried looking up. Have you guys ever seen those videos of like what happens next? And like it goes like 10 seconds into a clip and it like stops like right when the person's jumping off something. And then it's like, what happens next? Do they make the jump or do they fail? So like five, 10 years ago, whenever I helped in youth group at my old church, we played this game and it was a video of cats. And it was all these cats jumping off the most random things and like, it was like, are they going to make it or not? And half the time when they like nailed their face into something, it was awesome. It was hilarious. I have a cat at home who does it in real life. It's the best thing ever. He doesn't understand how fat he is. Um, but I couldn't find the video one bit. And so we're not doing it. But um, yeah, there's, there you go. There's, there's the transparency in all of it. But let me actually ask you guys this question uh, in, a, in a different sense. How many of you came prepared tonight, not with one that you grabbed off the table, but how many of you brought a Bible tonight? How many of you brought it in a box? <laughs> Let me ask you guys a different question. And this, again, you can lie to me. I won't know. The Lord does. But how many of you have actually gone to the Lord in prayer today? How many of you guys are here on your own will? That's fair. Beyond, yeah, I mean... Some of us are here because we're like, listen, my parents are in their life group and they don't trust me at home, so... They're going to adult babysitting, which is youth group, right? No, so here's the thing. Romans, so we're just going to dive right in. So that way you guys can get more time in your small groups and you guys can and kind of hash these things out. But if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans chapter 6. And this is kind of that transition message. Like I said, we started a new series, How Then Shall We Live? Because what we've talked about, right, what we've talked about is chapters 1 through 3 of Romans are awesome. I love them. Because all they pretty much do is they call everyone a sinner. Right? They're like, whether you're a boy or a girl, a man or a woman, whether you're you know, Asian, African-American, white, no matter what you are, you're a sinner. Right? Just knocks it out of the park. Whether you think you're religious or not, you're a sinner. Romans 1 through 3, I could sit in forever because it's just so happy and joyful. Right? Just, it just, you know what? It's not even a people group that's sinful. It's, it's every individual. Every single person born is a sinner. And that's Romans 1 through 3. But Romans 4 and 5 really hit the transition, right? Because it's talking about all these people who think they're working to get God's approval, all these people who think, you know what, God's all about grace and love, so we can live however we want and still claim Jesus, and it's perfectly fine. And Scripture's like, mm, you're wrong. They say the gospel is what? The gospel is by grace through faith. Grace through faith in Christ alone. So that's what we really hit on in 4 and five, and, and it really started making me think there has to be a difference then, right? Like if we, if we take that step of faith and we say, hey, we've tried the worldly things. We've tried to feel good through the relationships. We've tried to feel good through the drugs, right? We've tried to feel good through the, the weight room or the, or the different groups that we do. We've tried all these earthly things to find our identity, to find our purpose, to find our will, and it's really just not clicking for us. And all of a sudden, we hear the gospel message that Christ came. He died for us. He died for our sin nature, and that if I surrender my life to him, I can be born again, and I can be made new, right, from death to life. We talked about that and how baptism is that symbol and everything. We, there's this whole change. 
And I asked you guys the question, and I want to see if you guys will get this question again, right? Is there, a, is, is there a visible difference between someone who is dead and someone who's alive? Yeah, right? Like, there, there's a difference. If there's a dead guy up here and me up here, who do you think is going to be able to turn off this TV faster? Me. Because I got blood pumping through my veins. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I got the muscle structure to hit the switch. He's going to stay there because he's dead. And that's why scripture is so important in telling us that you have gone from death to life. And it's all through Jesus that that's possible. So all these empty ways that we chase to find purpose or strength or will, they mean nothing to us because then we start to understand that it's around a person, not a thing, not a will, not a force. It's around a person, and that person's name is Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles... We're in Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Right? It's, it's saying if, if it's by grace through faith and God loves to forgive and God loves to show us grace, then shouldn't I just keep being a complete idiot in my sin and then go, oh, God, can you forgive me? Because then it's going to make God look awesome. And Paul continues on, and there we go. Paul continues on and says, By no means... How can we who are dead to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, and in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. See, I, I walked with this through our young adults uh, the week before, and it's this reality of, we love, like, yeah, like, we wear the shirts, right? Like, made alive, made new, right? Like, we love the slogans, we love the hashtags, we love putting the crosses in our Instagram bios, right? But outside of changing our social media, did the gospel that we believe actually change us? And that's why we're going to do the exercise that we can tonight on that paper with the three circles, whether it's through writing or sharing it with each other. Is there a, a clear moment in your life tonight that you can look back at and say, yeah, that was the old Dan, and now I can see the new? See, I'm going to pick on one of our young adults who's also a youth leader here tonight because we're talking about baptism. She's actually going to be getting baptized at the beach this Sunday. I know some of us are getting baptized. We actually have some of us in this room getting baptized on Sunday. Yes, that's so good. And we'll talk about that at the end of the message. But, but she realized that she was baptized as a child, and she didn't get saved until like 10th grade. So 10 years old to 10th grade, a lot happens in that time, especially she was still dead in her sin. And baptism doesn't save us. And so she said, you know what? She felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And she said, I need to, like, I want to follow the command of Jesus. I want to I show the world that I actually get what baptism means. I want to show them that I have been buried in the likeness of his death and raised to walk in the newness of life. And so she's taking that step. We have a few more students in here that are taking the step. I just ran a membership class with some of the students in here tonight, both middle school and high school, who are getting baptized on Sunday evening with us at the beach. Because they're understanding what it truly means to go from death to life. And they want to show the church that they're now part of that family, that they've been walking in that, and now they understand it. Because now our motives, 
the love that we have for things, the reason that we do things, it's all going to start to look different. Why? Because you died to your old self. All your old motives for what you did, all your old reasonings for why you tried to obey your parents, all of those things are going to start to die off because you've been born again in Christ Jesus. So if you've placed your faith in him and you're sitting in here tonight, you should be able to look at these first few verses and go, yeah, I, I do see a newness. I don't see perfection, but I see newness. And that's the key that we're going to hit through this passage here in a little bit. If you claim Jesus, there should be that moment where the gospel was presented to you and you said, you know what, there is nothing else I can do. I've tried every other avenue. There's no purpose. There's no meaning. There's no passion in my life that makes sense and does good and actually lasts but what Christ Jesus did sounds like it does, and I want to press into that. That's the heartbeat of the gospel and why it literally changes you. It's not just a fun accolade to put in your bio. It's not just a fun thing so now you can send people, oh, sending thoughts and prayers. Like we do for every massive world disaster. But then half of us don't even actually pray for it, right? We now know there's something different. We are born Again, so we go on to verse five and six. It says this, it says, for if we had been united with him in his death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in his resurrection like this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we were no longer enslaved to sin. Guys, I... I don't know how else to make this more clear than walking through the series that we've walked through and, and hearing your stories and trying to express my heart to you like we do on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. But do we understand? The God, like, do we clearly get what took place on the cross some 2,000 years ago? And if we were having an honest moment here, and I'll jump in. If you haven't caught on, I'm a pretty honest guy when it comes to this at this point. But how many of you have either had the thought or currently are thinking, man, I really hate something about myself? Yeah, if we're being honest, we've all had the thoughts. There's things that we hate about ourselves. How many of you guys have ever had that internal struggle where you're like, man, I know that this is the right thing to do, but this thing over here is way better and really satisfies a lot of my needs. And we fight the battle in our head and inevitably we're over here. And what happens when we go do that one thing that we know is wrong but feels good? What happens when the event's over? Huh? It doesn't satisfy. You feel what? Guilt, right? Shame. In the moment, in the passion, in the desire, in how when we satisfy our flesh, man, we're, it's great. Satan's just blindfolding us, and it's awesome. And then as soon as it's over and you're of a reasonable mind, why in the world? Why in the world did I just do this? Right? We make those decisions, and then we feel that guilt. See, we all have these moments, but do we understand? stand. You guys heard part of my testimony, right? You guys got to hear part of my testimony last week. I have no idea what it means to be a man 
I have no idea what it means to be a dad. I have no idea what it means to be a husband. But I finally started to learn who I could look to for the example because my dad left when I was super young. The one person who's supposed to teach you how to change a tire on a car and all those things, I learned through trial and error a lot. And yet I understood that the love of Jesus could overcome even that barrier. That Jesus could fill that gap for me, that through his word and his truth, and having a relationship with him that restored all the brokenness in my life, I could actually strive to become. And for the last almost four years, I personally think, she's not here to defend it uh, or negate it, but I think I've been a pretty good husband, right? God's allowed me to to have an awesome marriage. I'm having a blast, right? (laughs) I don't want to speak for her completely, but I'm pretty sure she's having an awesome time too, right? And most of you who know Jess on Sunday mornings, she at least comes in smiling. So that's a... I let her sleep in. That's the key. She doesn't have to be here as early as I do on Sunday mornings. But how many of you, let me ask, because I gained a confidence in that moment. I gained a confidence that I could be a real man in Jesus. How many of you can say that you can wake up and you go to Jesus and you're just confident every single day? How many of you wake up and you struggle with confidence? Right? We start doubting ourselves. We doubt certain things. We just struggle with it. Did you know that Jesus died on the cross so that you could find true identity and have true confidence? That when he gives you a new life, you can now be confident in what he's done for you? He gives you a confidence that we can't get on our own. No matter how good we might be at sports, no matter how good we might be at worship and singing, no matter how we might be good at all these things, he gives us a confidence that's everlasting See, in Jesus, all the things that you hate about yourself, he makes beautiful. Scripture says he's the, one, he's the one who knits you in the womb. He's putting you together. You created with a purpose. And so often we tell you guys, oh, but you're so fearfully and wonderfully made. Like, we always hear it, right? But until you actually see that applied to yourself, then it changes your life. And that can only happen when you know the gospel. He takes all the things that you hate about yourself and he gives them purpose and he makes them beautiful. He makes them lovely. He makes them with purpose and design and you can only find that in the gospel. See, we all have that one pet sin, right? And What's a pet sin? See, a pet sin are those sins that you can hide, right? It's the ones that we can keep in the pocket and on the outside when we're at church and youth group, we're out with friends, right? They have no clue that it's going on because it's your pet sin. You keep it in your pocket, you feed it when you need to, and then you just kind of tuck it back away and hold on. It's your, it's your little pet, it's your little friend, like the little, I might age myself here. Maybe Bobby and Lenny might know this one, but Tamagotchis, little pocket pets that you put on a keychain. knew it. All right, Awesome. But it's like one of those things that you just feed it when you want, right? It never really dies off. You just replace the battery and you keep going back to that sin. And if we're all honest, we probably all have something like that. Christ died so that we could see victory over it. And when we have the gospel, we start to see the severity of even that small little sin to the point where we say, hey, Jesus, I might not sell, we might not solve this overnight but I'm going to give it to you every single day because I want to overcome it. And he will. He will walk with you through that addiction. He'll walk with you 
through those things that you shouldn't be looking at or those behaviors that you know are inappropriate. He'll be with you in those moments. See, all the areas that shame tries to attack and control are swallowed up in defeat the moment the gospel changes your life. Not that you won't struggle with them, but you can start to see them in the proper place that they are. The hating of yourself, the lack of confidence, those pet sins that all feel like they're up here above your head and you're drowning. They start to feel like they're down here. And slowly as you give them over to Jesus and walk with them, he's bringing them lower and lower, showing you that he conquered them the moment he took the cross. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have new life. He wants you to have victory. And you say, Mitch, that's awesome. I would love to not struggle with this anymore. I would love to stop hating myself. I would love to have a better view of who I am in the Lord's eyes. But how do we do that? Well, first and foremost, we need to stop setting our hearts and minds on it. Stop genuinely trying to feel those feelings and emotions that come up from that sin and that hatred and start giving them to the cross. And so verse 15, we're going to track down a little bit in the chapter. Verse 15 says this. It says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Right? Again, now they're just flipping the question. They're like, listen, if we're under grace and no longer under the law, there's not really any sin. We can do whatever we want. What do you think the answer is? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as an obedient slave, you are a slave of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness? See, here's the big problem that we all face when we look at who we are. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ here tonight, You're now, God the Father looks down and says, hey, son, hey, daughter. That moment I understood the gospel message, I understood I now had a father who wouldn't leave me, who wouldn't drop me off at my mom's house and say, ha, you suck. I now had a dad who wanted to walk with me. Scripture says in Zephaniah 3.17 that he wants to rejoice over us with gladness. He wants to quiet us with his love and rejoice over us with singing. That is how intimate and awesome and personal our God is. All the things I never got to experience from a father here on earth, I now get to experience from a heavenly father who does it perfectly. Who tells me how to walk as a husband, who tells me how to act like a man, who tells me how to treat women, who tells me how to love the weak and lowly, who tells me how to stand up for my beliefs. He cares for me, picks me up when I fail like Peter when he's walking on water, grabs him by the hand and pulls him back up and just says, keep your eyes on me. That's the God, the Father that I have and that you have. See, you're a child of God. You're a co-heir with Christ. You're co-ruling with King Jesus and your citizenship. Where you now call home is no longer here on earth. It's in heaven. Those are basic truths that you as a believer should be able to stand on and make you confident and make you proud and make you excited to wake up every day knowing that your home is no longer here on earth. That you no longer belong to sin and shame and death, but you belong to life. You belong to a king and a kingdom that's everlasting. That is the truth of being a believer in Jesus. 
See, verse 17 tells us this. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. See, it it starts, and we've hit this enough, and I'm just going to hit this verse like this. There's a real, very real, very specific, very completed gospel. There is but one way and one name in whom you can be saved, and that is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. By no other means, by no other things that you do, it is through Jesus. And if we believe that, then all these truths start to apply. And we finish off in 18, 19. And having been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. I love Paul. He's just like, nah, you guys aren't the brightest. So I'm going to say it in very human terms, right? We all love getting told that. I know I'm not, so I like when he says this stuff. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Guys, that's why we're starting this series. That's why we're diving into this. That's why we're taking the time to talk about this on Wednesday nights, have small groups, do youth group again on Sunday mornings. Because if all I ever teach you is how to have fun, I failed my whole calling. I failed you. And scripture says that I am held double accountable for all of you of whom I'm teaching. So I want you to know that if you're walking around here tonight and you say you're a Christian, I want you to take a hard, good look at then how you should be living. Is it different than what you once were? Or do you look exactly like all your unsaved friends? Because if you're match for match with all your unsaved friends and the only difference is you say Jesus on Sunday morning and sing a few songs and come to youth group, then we got to talk. Because you kind of went from being dead in sin to alive in Christ. That's the massive difference. So if you're not seeing this, if you're not seeing a difference If you're not seeing different desires, motives, loves, and attentions, a struggle with what you once used to do in sin, then talk to us. Because that's why all these youth leaders are here. That's why I'm here every Wednesday, every Sunday, every day in between, because we want you to know that there is a new life, a life with purpose, a life with reason, and there's true forgiveness from your guilt and your shame and your sin, and it's in Jesus Christ. And so as we go into groups, I'm going to bring up David. I don't have a mic, but you're loud enough, so it works. David's going to close us out in prayer, and then we're going to split off into small groups. Does that sound good?